1: So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center, from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Decker. And at guard, from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. That's right, here we are again, but uh, Dia, I mean, I want to thank Mark Mason for that wonderful intro, but... How come you got to be the MVP? I've been waiting my whole life. on the Mike Conley of this podcast. I mean, I made it onto there, but somehow <laughs> you got voted MVP, you Luca Doncic, you. I, uh,
0: I had nothing to do with this intro. It was a complete surprise to me. Um, in fact, had you not said anything about it on the post that you made last time, I might have missed it completely. <laughs> um, but man, that, what that is, that's just really, really cool. As, as someone who's a Blazer fan, that's just really, really cool. Also, okay. I fully appreciate the fact that at the end I got to dunk.
1: Oh yeah. That's, that's, uh, wheels. That's Brian Wheeler at the yeah. outro. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it. But yeah, I mean, uh, Mark Mason, obviously, first of all, t- to hear your name called by the same guy who introduced. You know, everybody, Sabonis and, and and, you know, Steve Smith and, you know, Damian Lillard. That's a little something. I mean, I'm a little verklempt. uh, But uh, Mark Mason is an incredible, incredible person. And we wish him very well in his health recovery. I mean, he's battled through some stuff. He's coming out the other side. I cannot say enough good stuff about Mark, or wish him well strongly enough. One, I mean, everybody, we're we're all God's children, as I like to say on my other podcast, and everybody, I I hope, is doing well and deserves good health, so I won't say that he deserves it uh, more than you and I do, but I will say that he is a huge blessing, and that if I could wish somebody in Blazer Nation a speedy recovery and good health, it would be Mark, because he's the best.
0: Yeah, it's it's so cool, you know, as a kid growing up watching this team and being a little bit familiar with different people in the organization and we've talked before about what a stand-up organization this is and how lucky we are to have the people that we have and, you know, these guys are are no different. That was just that's 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 pretty cool. That's pretty pretty
1: cool. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of stand-up How about All-Star Weekend? What'd you think of it? It wasn't a bad showing from our trailblazers.
0: I love All-Star Weekend. I know we touched on this before, but I love it. I do not. I will never understand people who say they don't love it. It's like the greatest game of pickup basketball ever. I mean, you've got these guys that are just insanely talented and going out and playing and having fun. And I just... I can't get enough of it
1: honestly well 170 to 150 you don't have to get enough of it that was like he's scoring 320 points in a game is an awful lot uh team lebron had the superior lineup in the game damian yeah. lillard got to shoot some half court shots didn't get the mvp like i hoped he would but still i mean he was one of the names you'd mention. Giannis obviously uh steph curry obviously but damian lillard was in there which is pretty good and it was fun watching him launch from half court and you know i i Sure, he had to put a little extra oomph in it more than he usually does at the logo, but I wouldn't be ashamed to see him shoot that for fun one night in an actual game.
0: Yeah, it it was an interesting Mm -hmm. dynamic because, you know, I feel like anytime I say anything about liking like LeBron or Steph Curry or Giannis, like you kind of get a little bit of flack because they're on the wrong team. So it was really fun to get to watch them all play together and be cheering for. Although it's also a little bit of a mental block to be like you're watching LeBron with the ball and you're thinking, oh, no. And then you are like, wait, no, he's on my team this time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And yeah, again, I think I mentioned in a free all-star post. I wasn't the one we did, but it was a different one. Like Team LeBron, Team Durant, I'm rooting against both of them, but I could not help but root for the curry lillard backcourt i mean that was fun, that was fun. And, look luka Doncic just didn't show up for most of the things i don't know exactly what went on there but you know all you who voted for him i mean i i think he should have been there but voting for him hardcore as a starter may have been a little bit of a wasted vote yeah i think dame was really that other person in there and you know He got to show it. Uh, Robert Covington in the skills competition out in round one, but not particularly surprising. DeMontis Sabonis. Now, wait, DeMontis, do you think he's kind of like an adopted blazer a little bit, even though he's never played for Portland, probably never will, but do you have a little soft spot in your heart for him because of Arvidas?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think anytime you have family members of past blazers you want to see him do well. I mean, selfishly, I'd love to see him in Portland, but yeah, you're right. It's probably not. I mean, I, I kind of feel like we should have a better shot because they, you know, have a legacy there, but I, I don't see that happening, but yeah, I, am a big fan of his. I, I like him a lot. Um, I, I always think it's fun. You know, um, Brian Grant's son plays for Oregon state and i am a ducks fan i am not an osu fan Mm -hmm. um when and i should say i should clarify football he plays football for oregon state um but it's a it's another one of those where it's like you just kind of i find that i'm cheering for him because you know it's brian grant's son it's it's rv just bonus's son like you you can't really you just you can't you can't get past that
1: right exactly and it's wonderful absolutely wonderful To see the legacy. This is another way we can tell we're getting old, though, because we used to. The players used to be older than we are, and then we always loved the players that are the same age as we are. And now we're watching our favorite players' children start to play, and it's like, oh, oh yeah, that's happening. But it is pretty neat to see them, and it's hard to, it's hard for me to detach. I mean, I like you say, I, I love the the legacy, and I think that once you're a Blazer, in many ways, you're a family. And uh, that means your kids are kind of a little soft spot for me. uh, the big news though of all star weekend, of course uh Anthony Simons doing something that no Portland Trailblazers player had ever done, not Clyde Drexler, not Jerome Kersey, he won the slam dunk competition. Did you get a chance to see it?
0: Oh yeah, that was I was really looking forward to that i I was I live for this stuff. I mean, I I love the game of basketball. I love the skill set that it takes. I love the athleticism that it takes. And I love a good competition, but I really like watching people enjoy what they do. And so for me, this is just like the Mecca of basketball because you're getting to see all the the big names in the league together playing, and they're having a blast. I mean, Steph Curry was having the time of his life. I'm not sure he has I'm not sure there was another guy out there that was having more fun than him. And so the, the and the dunk contest specifically, there's just something I mean, you know, me and dunks, you know how I feel about wanting to experience that there's something so cool about that. And I think that may be the thing that I look forward to the most um, in the weekend or in this case, the day. It was really cool. You know, we were all cheering for Ant to get a chance last year and he didn't get it. And so seeing him there this year, that was just that was really exciting. And it was really cool to watch him, you know, come out victorious that you can't beat that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was lots of fun. And I got to admit, I mean, I would like another contestant. Obviously, I would like it a little bit extended. I understand why they didn't do it because of the lack of participants and because of the time crunch during halftime. But uh, I didn't hate the format. I, I didn't hate the like. You know, one dunk at the end, winner. I could use a few more players getting to that point, but that was all right. And I didn't hate that it was young players. Honestly, I think that's yeah. that, I think that's a way to go. Maybe every once in a while you circle in all the veterans. Uh, you know, you can't wait too long because they their legs get old. But every three or four years you have a free for all where the best of the best go at it. But. If you can't do that, then it's not bad having your really young 20-somethings get up there and get a chance to make a name for themselves. And I think Ant did kind of. I mean, we must be honest. This was this will probably go down as one of the less weighty dunk competitions. I mean, partially because of the format and partially because the dunks weren't that theatrical. I mean, they were good, but they weren't they didn't have a lot of mustard on them, especially not Simons's. I mean, he was, he was pure. It was incredible that he went up. He caught that ball with the, with the rim, you know, the plastic holder on yeah. the rim, on the backboard rather. He caught that ball with two hands and had room to spare as he threw it down. And that was amazing. When you think about it, it just didn't look very authoritative yeah. and you know, his dunks weren't, they won't go down in the hall of fame, but I mean, he won it and that's great.
0: I you know I I love I love that style where it's not as proppy it's not as I I just show me the good dunks like show me your skill I don't necessarily want to see a whole show I want to see what you can do and so for me I actually really loved it I loved that they I felt like they were I mean I know people kind of there were some little things here and there. Um, you know with with Obie jumping over his dad and and it was Julius Randall right that he jumped yeah, over mm-hmm. yeah I mean that was cool there's always someone who jumps over someone yep. but I just I just think those classic styled dunks I, I'm a fan I, I really like seeing that and I thought it was I thought it was cool how he did the the throwback with the Raptors jersey mm-hmm. I thought that was a really cool idea something you don't really see happen so much, you know, the adding that little hoop. I've never seen anybody do that. That was different. Um, you know, when you have, when you have a dunk competition year after year, after year, after year, there's only so many ways you can dunk a basketball. And so it starts to get a little bit repetitive, like jumping over people, you know, that people are going to do that over and over again. That's always going to be a thing. And I think the way that he approached it and made it his own that I really liked that. I thought it was really cool. I don't necessarily need a big production of a show I just want to see somebody do something different and do something unique and I think he did that
1: yeah you know what a little more drama a little more showmanship so here's here's the thing here's what would have sealed it they said if he kissed the rim uh, and he didn't quite make it and okay fair enough but you know how they had the arena guy come out and put up the little plastic hoop on his first jump right yeah okay you have the same arena guy come out with the ladder simple and quick climb up that ladder disinfect the rim and then, you know, with a little spray bottle and wipe it down just for a second. Right. And then it's like, Oh, and then Ant puts on his mask or something like that. And it's like, Oh no, he's doing the Vince Carter. He's going to kiss it. He's going to kiss it. And then building up the drama that would have been really sweet. But I mean, as it was, he still won good enough. Uh, And I think he was walking tall in that environment. Now he didn't look like, you know, Michael Jordan level of swagger, but he wasn't ashamed to be there. He knew he, he, should be there but confident. there was also yeah he was confident but he was what would we say um he looked like he belonged but he still had that sense of blazer coolness you know what i mean just like yeah okay i'm not gonna you know yeah you're gonna come to me and tell me i'm cool i'm not gonna shove it in your face and i kind of like that i think that's not a bad thing i think that's portland culture and uh you know he pulled it off well so all in all i thought it was pretty entertaining uh no covid cases among the people who actually played, of course, uh, Joel right. Embiid and Ben Simmons were held out for protocol, uh, which was fine. But dodged that, uh, and that was wonderful. So we say all is well that ends well and say good job.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's shocking, honestly. I think we talked about this on on the podcast, and there's been a lot of things that have swirled about it that, you know, nobody really thought this was a great idea. But somehow they managed to pull it off. And I'll, I'll give Adam Silver credit. he's He's managed to do that throughout this whole time where every time something would happen and I, I know I would be a little hesitant, like, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. And then he'd pull it off and he did it again. So, you know, I mean, I still don't know that it was the smartest move, but you're right. We, they did it and, you know, nobody got COVID in the process. So we'll call it a success.
1: Yeah, that's good. Hey, you know what? I actually got the chance to get my first vaccine this week. Yay. But, Ooh. um, Yeah, I'll tell you the story, though. The first vaccine, it's famous for like hurting your arm. So Mm -hmm. here's Dave's day. Here's dummy Dave. Okay, goes and gets my vaccine. Yay! And then forgets to drink caffeine all day. So I have a headache anyway from caffeine withdrawal. And it was arm day on the workout. So it's just like... (laughs) This was like, yay, yeah. Oh, yay, and yay. all, a successful day. A successful day, except for my poor arm, which was like basically yeah. fell off and I was really angry about it. But uh, no, that was great. So I hope everybody out there- That would be a
0: terrible side effect. Let's not say <laughs> yeah. that your arm fell off.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody <laughs> out there gets a chance to do that. Uh, and uh, so hopefully, hopefully I'm looking forward to a season next year where knock on wood, we won't have to worry about this so much. But yeah, so far, I mean, canceled games aside- so far, okay. And we'll keep yep. our fingers crossed. What else is yeah. on the docket here? All-Star Weekend was the big thing. What's coming up here?
0: Well, did we talk about Robert Covington?
1: Yeah, a little bit. We mentioned him. I mean, I, I thought he was fine. I didn't expect him to win it necessarily. Like we said, think, Demata Sabonis has that thing on lock. So
0: I think it, it merits um, just the mention that, you know, one of the things that they were talking a lot about and honoring at the all-star game was, was the historically black college and university, the HBCU Mm -hmm. and Robert Covington is, is currently the only NBA player who came from an HBCU. If I am not mistaken, am I, is that correct? I think
1: that's correct. I I am
0: not sure. I'm 99% sure that's correct. Um, But it was really cool to see him honor that and, and, you know, wear his, his college Jersey. I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. Um, and giving out scholarships and things like that—it was just a really cool nod to that. I thought I thought that was well done and and really, really a good thing.
1: Exactly, and and why it's taken us so long to get to this point—it makes it's one of those things that makes you go, "Duh! Why can't we have a celebration of the history and the culture uh, that is wrapped together inextricably with the NBA?" And I loved that. I loved that. It was wonderful to see it. And, you know, hats off to everybody who made that a reality. And for me, more. I mean, I I just I absolutely positively enjoy seeing the celebration and the public lifting up of things that are so important and yet rarely spoken of. And if it's not going to be spoken of here, where are we going to speak of it? So, yeah, I, I love that. Well done, NBA. Well done, everybody involved, I thought.
0: Yeah, I just looked it up and Robert Covington is the last remaining player um Kyle O'Quinn who was on the Philadelphia 76ers last year mm-hmm. was but he is now playing overseas. Um so Robert Covington is the only NBA player currently from an HBCU. So yep. that's, you know, a, a a neat thing that he got to be a part of and and I think that's a really I just I just thought that was worth Worth mentioning so
1: sure absolutely
0: um and now I forgot what you asked before we
1: that's okay uh, Dia's a little under the weather tonight so we're, we're picking up for her uh it was what uh, what else have we got on our topic list besides the all-star game
0: well n- with the all-star break comes the second half of the season so we are we've played 35 games um we've got oh 20 I just looked this up 24 and four no
1: 21 20... and 14 is the record.
0: Yes. So we're, we're, we're doing well, doing really well. This is the best we've done to this point in, in quite a while. Um, And we're heading into the second season, second half of the season. Goodness. My brain has gone to sleep. Apparently Um, we're heading into the second half of the season and, and we're in a good spot. You know, we're, we're solidly in the
1: the running, yeah, the- fifth place. I mean right right there in fourth and fifth place. Yeah. yeah. The asterisk there is when you look up strength of schedule. We talked about this a little bit last week and I looked it up and I shouldn't have. Uh the Blazers actually have the fourth toughest schedule in the league remaining. Uh they they've had like the eighteenth or nineteenth toughest, so a somewhat easy one so far. Uh and the fourth toughest schedule remaining Portland has. And even worse news, the only other team in the top eight that's anywhere near them is San Antonio. Everybody else is a lower level team, pretty much, or an Eastern Conference team. So the teams that they want to catch or stay ahead of all have significantly easier schedules than Portland does. So there is reason to be a little nervous about this, and it's going to get... Like Lord of the Rings, the second half is going to get a lot tougher. Uh, But look, they've got CJ coming back. They've got Nurkic coming back. So they should get something of a boost. But the, the caveat there is they're going to need it because... I don't foresee... Already we were seeing some slippage heading into the All-Star break, I think with fatigue and other teams being able to shut them down a little bit. I don't think they get through the rest of the year very successfully playing eight people, uh, especially if two of their stars are out. So uh, CJ and Nurk can't hurry back quick enough. And we are going to hope that they're in top form very, very soon after, uh, because this is going to be tough.
0: Yeah. I mean... I'm not one to shy away from tough. I think, I think we'll be fine. I, you know, I think it's been real exciting to watch them win game after game, after game, after game. That's a fun thing. And it may not be quite that smooth sailing going forward, but I definitely think that, you know, the Blazers tend to do well coming off the all-star break. And I think that Um, they're, they're motivated. They're excited. I think that getting CJ and Nurk back is going to be huge. We've maintained the spot that we've maintained with three of our, of our key players injured. So the fact that we've, I mean, even though the schedule hasn't been as difficult, we also have had a broken down battered team playing. We've had a lot of young guys. We've had a lot of inexperience that has had to step up and, and fill in. And they've done it. They've done it well. We've managed to maintain a a good um, record. So I think that going into the second half and getting CJ and Nurk back is going to make a big difference. And I think that, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see this continue. I think they're fired up. You know, CJ, before he got hurt, was having a record year. He was just killing it. And I think that combined with, you know, if uh, hopefully... Whatever Nurkic was going through and whatever was was the struggle for him before he got hurt, um, hopefully we'll see that disappear and he'll come back his solid, strong Nurk self. And if CJ comes back doing as well as he did before he got injured and Nurk comes back doing as well as we know he can, I think... I think we're sitting in a pretty good position,
1: Dave. Well, Nurk is still the variable. I mean, CJ will do what CJ does, but I think the defense gets slightly worse when he comes back, and it's already pretty bad, so I guess you could say, who cares? Uh, But I think Trent and Simons have done a more than adequate job in filling in at that position. I think Ennis Cantor has done as well as can be expected at center, too. I mean, my goodness, where would the Blazers be without him? Yeah. Uh, At the same time, Nurk is the only player with a prayer of upping the defense and changing the game uh, dramatically. Uh, Again, crediting CJ's scoring, but the Blazers can get scoring. Uh, Nurkic is the guy who has the chance to make them a significantly better team and they need him we'll reiterate the same thing we'll say at the second half as we said at the start of the first half without Nurkic they are not the same team without Nurkic they are not anywhere close to a real contender I think and that doesn't just mean Nurkic suited up that means Nurkic playing defense active hustling being the spry amazing version that he really turned into a couple years ago and showed occasional flashes of this year but never really put it together. Hopefully this break has done him good and the Blazers need him.
0: I think we're going to see that from Nurk. I think there's got to be something to be said for the fact that there's some excitement that's happening um, amongst the, the players. You know, to be in this position is, is a good place to be. I think that there's some momentum that's been built. You know, they're coming off of this first half having done well and I think there's excitement and I think there's momentum and I think if anything is is going to be telling of how well Nurk will do I'm really hoping that's it I'm, I'm really hoping that he'll play to that momentum and he'll play to that excitement and, and we'll see what we're used to from him
1: that's the greatest hope right now the other hope of course is that the trade deadline is upcoming and we promised we'd talk about this it's the third week of March here, uh, just a couple weeks. And Portland does have some assets to make moves with. They have Rodney Hood. That's the obvious one. And the reason he's obvious is he's on an expiring contract. They're almost certainly not going to resign him because they can't afford all the rest of their players to bring back, let alone him. Um, he has a salary of $10 million, which is a nice middle number that can facilitate a lot of different trades. So expect to see Rodney Hood's name out there. Uh, They also have future draft picks. They can't trade away 2022, I believe, but they could 2023 or 2024. So they have those available. They also have young players. I mean, they have Nasir Little. They have Anthony Simons. And depending on whether or not they plan to keep him, they have Gary Trent. And I don't think Gary Trent's value is negligible at this point. I think that... The big question for them is one we discussed a few weeks ago. Is the future McCollum or is the future Trent and Simons? And if the future is McCollum, they almost certainly will not match whatever offer Gary Trent Jr. gets on the restricted free agent market this summer, unless it's a terrible lowball offer. And I don't anticipate he'll get that. And I don't see why he'd sign one. So at best they would have him for probably one more year if he just signed a qualifying offer and then became an unrestricted free agent, but that's highly unlikely. They would probably lose him this summer. And if they're going to keep CJ, it would be better for them to trade him now and get some value for him, if possible, than to just see him walk uh, in June.
0: Yeah, you know, this is one of those topics that you kind of have to hold my feet to the fire to get me to talk about because I don't love the idea of letting go of anyone we have. I mean, that's a well-known fact. We've talked about that over and over and over again. I get emotionally attached. They feel like family. It feels like a betrayal to say that I think we should trade someone or let someone go. I struggle so much having these conversations. Um, and I think I've been pretty outspoken about my love for Gary Trent Jr. But I got to say, I, I i think we should let him go. Um, and i here's my thinking on that and it's changed it's shifted because i did not used to think this this is kind of a a, an adjustment for me um i don't think cj is going anywhere and i don't think that we could get a return on him who are we going to trade him for that we are going to get his value with I, i mean we've talked about that before that's a tough place to be. Certainly not going to happen
1: in February. It's not going to happen no, in the trade deal. No. Unless, okay, unless there's a way out there move like DeMonte Sabonis or something like no, that. But- yeah,
0: but I don't I don't think CJ's going anywhere. I don't think, you know, him and Dame constructed their contracts in such a way to stay together um, if possible. You know, they, they, they want to be together. They want to play together. CJ wants to be in Portland. He's made that very clear. Here's my thing. I, I love Gary Trent Jr. I think he's a huge asset to us. He's proven that time and time again. I think we need his defensive skills. That's been something again that's that's proven to be an asset for us. That being said, I don't think Gary is is set on being in Portland. Uh, now I think he likes. I think he likes the guys here. I think he likes. You know, he seems to get along with everybody. He seems to be a good teammate. But I do not think he's someone who is. You know, ride or die, I want to be a Portland trailblazer. I think Gary is someone who is probably going to go where he gets the best contract, where he's going to get good playing time, where they can kind of build a team around him. I don't think he's someone who's going to want to stay in Portland and play a sporting role. Um, That being said, I mean, I could be wrong, but to me, we we probably are not going to be able to keep both CJ and Gary. And so to me, looking at the situation and looking at what we've got and, and what our options are, I would say keep CJ and try to try to use Gary to get some kind of something before we just lose his contract, because that's probably what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't keep both of them, I think, just for playing time. I mean, CJ is not going to play 25 minutes a game. I mean, that's just never right. going to happen. And you wouldn't get the same player if you did. That's not why you're paying him that money. So right. he's he's going to play 34, 36 minutes a game. You know that's That doesn't leave much for Gary Trent. And no. Anthony Simons, as we said before, probably a shooting guard as well, or certainly a scoring guard. So look. What, what room do you have? It's it, Yes, it's an embarrassment of riches, but when you literally cannot play both of them, somebody's going to waste. And those yeah. players are too good to do that. And Gary Trent, by the way, Jr., is not in a position where he can happily take, we'll, we'll take uh, 15 minutes a game, it's fine. He's building his career. He's not a veteran joining the Nets on the other end of his career, just trying to win a ring. Uh, so, yeah, I think, that's correct. I, you know, if the Blazers could get value for CJ, I would have no problem moving him with all due respect. And this is what I've always said, that he is a great player. That's why he's so valuable. That's why he has the potential to pull something on the trade market. But I agree with you. They're never going to get one-to-one production. But if they could get a really good forward for him, either really good forward in assets or a really great forward, if they could get DeMontis Sabonis for him, I, I'd take that. Um, I'm not sure that's possible. I'm not sure Miles Turner would qualify in my mind. I'd have to think about that harder. Um, but if they could get someone like that in the in the, that area, I'd be okay with it. I just don't think that's going to happen. And if that's not going to happen, you got to either trade Trent or more likely bundle him with Hood or something like that to facilitate a trade for someone somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to come down to. And it's, it's a hard thing for me to grasp because I'm a big Gary Trent Jr. fan. I really like him. I like, you know, the legacy of his dad having played for Portland. I think he offers a lot to the Blazers. I think he's really been exactly what we needed him to be. And I'm really grateful for that. I think he's a fun player to watch. He's a fun player to cover off the court as well. I mean, he's always got something interesting going on. Um, And so for that reason, I'll be sad. If he ends up going, I'll be sad to see him go. He's one of those players like like a a Seth Curry, where every time I ever see him on another team, I'm going to wonder what could have been and I'm going to miss him and wish that he was still on the Trailblazers. Unfortunately, we don't actually get to have a 24 man roster. I don't know why they won't let us. But they won't. Imagine so, Seth
1: Curry and Gary Trent Jr. as your bench guards. That would be a oh lot of fun. Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: Yeah. I, I, I just, right there with you.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where I'm learning that I have to be able to put aside my own feelings a little bit and just be willing to look at it from the perspective of, you know, what makes the most sense and, and wish them well on their way. And I think Gary Trent Jr. would be perfectly fine going somewhere else. I don't think he's somebody who's emotionally attached to Portland the way that, like, for instance, CJ probably is.
1: Exactly. And here's the thing. At least I respect what you're saying because you literally feel this way about every player. I mean, there's no there's no <laughs> bias. There's not a stingy or mean bone in your body. It's like just all Blazers are welcome in Mama Dia's house, basically. But There's a tendency, especially I I find the strongly among Blazer Blazer fans, it's in every fan base, but there's a tendency that when a player is underperforming or kind of sucks or isn't noticeable, you go, oh, should trade this guy. But as soon as he shows a little bit of promise, like Nasir Little or like Anthony Simons, it's like, oh, no, 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 we got to keep that guy. So it's like you try to trade away the guys who you think stink. Well, right. if your guy is not performing well, an opposing GM, unless there's extenuating circumstances, is not going to value right. them very highly either. You've got right. to take advantage when you're, when the players you have a potential to trade are doing well. And Agreed. that's exactly what's happening for Portland right now. Name a player who's not, I mean, let's go down the roster. Ennis Cantor. playing great for what en- Ennis Kanter is. Carmelo freaking Anthony that nobody expected. This was the, like, emergency, uh, you know, stop button on the on the season he's doing great in facilitating wins. You got Nasir Little scoring 30 points when he goes out there you got Anthony Simons, you got Gary Trent Jr. Uh, obviously you got Derek Jones Jr. Robert Covington's doing fine. I mean everybody's playing well you can't possibly play them all when the roster gets healthy again this is exactly the time you'd want to make a move and you have to swallow that impulse to say I want them all because they're playing good and nobody sucks right now Literally, right. that's exactly what I mean. Rodney Hood, unfortunately, is the only guy who's not really performing, and he's the only guy they have to trade. So that that's a bit of ill luck. But other than that, they've got a lot of potential there that's on a roll right now, and if possible, they should take advantage.
0: I would be surprised if we see any kind of big moves made. To be honest, I would be surprised if if Neil makes a move with with Gary or with CJ. I I would be I would be shocked. Um, I don't. I don't anticipate that, but we'll see. You know, I mean, I. I think there are some people that could maybe be, you know, helpful, and and I. I don't know. This is this. This part of the season gives me so much anxiety. I just almost can't even handle it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think. Mason Plumley is probably one one of the boldest moves that they made i'm trying to think of another one but when a player is really embedded i mean lamarcus aldridge they held on to him until he left what and about what that? about
0: pj tucker
1: yeah i mean as far as getting people i'm trying to uh, for a second i'm trying to look back at the the dna of the franchise oh you're under, talking about okay got, Olshay. It. got it and, yeah and they they just don't they traded away mason plumley for yusuf nurkic in a pick um, yeah. I think also obviously they traded away will Barton and you know all that Alonzo G um and for a midseason move that sucked I've, I'm trying you know I'm thinking there's not. Yeah, there's not a ton of moves, and by oh. the way, the moves they're about 50-50 on whether they work or not. So, right. uh, as far as these kind of deals, so the Blazers are a little gun shy on them. But I, I think that probably this would be a time to be bolder. Now, who are they? Who are they going after? I mean, PJ Tucker, um, consummate veteran. His shooting percentages aren't great, but he's the kind of player who could probably help more than his stats show. I mean, I think everybody knows that. The question would be, what do you have to trade away to get him? Theoretically, his value to Houston should be pretty low at this point because I don't think the Rockets are going anywhere and he's on an expiring contract. But that's also the reason the Blazers would have to be careful not to trade away too much young talent for him because they could end up renting him for three months and then watching him go. And then you have another Will Barton situation where the guy wins, you know, or is always in contention for six man of the year and you traded him away for a mid season rental.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is, this stuff is really, I feel like there's so many moving pieces to it. You can have the perfect fit in a player, but if their contract isn't right or the timing isn't right or whatever, it, it doesn't matter. And I think that that's one of the things that makes all of this very intricate and difficult to even come up with real solutions is unless you really fully understand how all those moving pieces work and fit together, it's, it's tricky. It's really tricky.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can explain that a little bit for those who are wondering. Okay, so what will the Blazers value? Probably a forward Perhaps a center, but they're pretty packed. I mean, Cantor may not stay after this year, though. So a a big man, someone in the front court, probably not a guard because they'll be trading away guards and theoretically not McCollum or Lillard. So the guards are set. So probably a big man. That person would probably need to be under contract for more than this season. Otherwise, it's got to be just Rodney Hood and very low risk. You don't want to trade away future assets for something that's going to be gone when those assets get good. So uh, if the Blazers need to trade young players or a draft pick to get the deal done, they need to be sure this player is going to be with them and going to be performing well for at least the next couple years. So uh, someone with a longer term contract. But unless you're trading CJ, the Blazers don't have a lot of contracts to trade that make sense, that equal, that make salaries equal. Rodney Hood makes about $10 million. Um, the, the other players, the younger players, make only a couple million each. So you're looking at maybe $12 million that you could trade away, maybe a skosh more. But that's not a ton. I mean, Zach Collins would be the other obvious person he makes more. Uh, so 12 to 16 million, that means you can't trade away for a $24 million player probably. And by the way, if you have a salary imbalance and you're going in the luxury tax for this guy, so probably that person needs to make equal to or less than what you're trading out. So honestly, you're probably looking for a player making somewhere between 8 million and at the outside maybe 12 14 um so you have a pretty narrow band of salary that you can go for and make the salaries match and make it make sense financially so uh front court player making between 8 and 14 ish uh on at the far extremes and under contract for the next few years plus probably plays some defense and isn't totally embarrassing shooting threes there's there's the bill and I mean, there are a few players that fit that bill, but it's it's not as thin of a needle to thread as CJ is, but it's pretty thin. I'll give you another one, though. Let me give you the other name now that I've blabbered on for a minute. And this comes courtesy of our colleague, Danny Morang, uh, but he and I have been talking and I think we agree that uh, Kyle Anderson from Memphis would be a wonderful name. Now, Memphis probably values him, but Memphis isn't in contention. And Memphis may be looking to do some other things and a young player or uh, a young player and some draft picks plus, and and Anderson makes around 10 10 million-ish, so Rodney Hood would do it and one other player uh, would work if the player is young. And that would actually be a pretty good pickup. Uh, The guy can shoot threes. He's like 38% from the three-point arc. He's he's not a bad uh, player on the defensive end. And, uh, you know, he's the right age he's not at the end of his career like pj tucker is and he you know he he's a decent fit i think so if the blazers could pull off something like that i think i'd be pretty happy
0: yeah i mean he he wouldn't be um, i could see that I'm, I'm looking right now at some of his stats and stuff but he's you know
1: i can give it to not, you he's 30 years old plays 28 minutes a 27
0: game. he's 27
1: what's that i'm sorry he's 20 yeah 27 years old my bad plays 27 minutes per game that's where i got mixed up uh so he's in his prime plays about 27 28 minutes uh 47 percent almost 48 percent from the field 38 percent from the arc he's
0: he's got some height which is nice for us Mm -hmm. six
1: uh, he can swing between either forward spot uh yeah he doesn't have to start
0: yeah, that could that could be interesting. I mean, I, I think there's, I, I think that this pool of mid-season pickups is actually pretty small, um, as far as someone like what you just explained. And I think that that's, you know, people this this trade deadline approaches and people start just waiting for something to happen. And I think it's it's easy to forget how much criteria we have to make this actually work. And this is why I say I would be surprised to see much happen. Um, I also think that there's a sense in which if it's not broken, don't fix it and we're not totally falling apart. And so there's a sense in which when you start moving guys around, what if it doesn't work? What we have is working ish. I mean, we're not, we're not, we're staying in the running. So if we, and I'm not saying this is what I think, I'm just saying this is something to consider um but but you throw a wrench in that and what if it doesn't work there's there's something to be said for that I don't know I don't know I think it's I think it's one of those things that's just a lot more complicated than just saying well we want this guy and going after him
1: perhaps but I mean it depends on your definition of working and the blazers are working now in the way the blazers always work albeit maybe a much better i mean you want to credit look let's let's say this without any hesitation they had a fantastic first half of the season giving given the circumstances you could not ask for anything more there's nothing more that they could have done there's not one more win that you think they could have gotten 21 and 14 uh, having lost cj and nurk is is incredible Okay, so let's let's say it is working in that sense. They've done very, 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 very well. That's it. Is that really working? And is that going to continue working in the second half, first of all? And is working? How is that going to be defined in the playoffs? And if working means being happy you got to the second round and maybe losing there, yeah, I could see that working. Uh, working If working is losing in the first round, I could see that happening also. I, I don't see a conference finals team at this point, and I sure don't see an NBA finals team at this point. So is that really working? Or is that being the third best restaurant in town and just being happy with it because you know who you are? In which case... How, how would you break it? <laughs> you know, I mean, is the obviously the team could fall apart, but is it really going to do that from a, a move mid-roster? With Damian Lillard still there, with CJ McCollum still there, oh. are they really going to fall apart? Or do you take a chance to get at least incrementally bigger, better rather, to make working work better?
0: No, I, I agree. I agree. I think you're right. I just hate this. I hate it. I hate it so much. I don't want to watch any of these guys in another team's jersey. I'm Two more gonna- weeks? Yeah. Be sad about
1: it. I mean, okay. Hassan Whiteside? Hassan Whiteside? Were you okay with him in another jersey?
0: Oh, yeah. I was fine with him.
1: Okay. So there's one. There we go. There's a Whiteside line in Dia's life. Like, if you're below yeah, the white side line, you're okay to go.
0: Currently, the players we currently have, I, truthfully, I would be okay with Zach Collins. I think we haven't seen him play for so long right. that I wouldn't miss seeing him play. I don't mean it in that sense. Uh-huh. I really like Zach, and I actually really like watching him play. I think he's a lot of fun to watch. But because he's been out for so long, I think emotionally it would be easier. Yeah. Um, but short of that, uh, I'm, I'm going to struggle. Yeah, I'm going to have a hard time. But you time. said
1: last week you had a list of players you were okay with getting rid of. Do you still have that list, or did you uh, kind of like – Forget i mean it.
0: oh i guess it depends on your definition of okay with getting rid of well okay that, I, I
1: put that too harshly you said yeah, there was uh, a line of players you would be willing to trade
0: yeah i mean i think i think rodney hood is one that we've we've discussed is makes sense you know gary trent jr i think makes sense uh zach collins i think makes sense um you know, I mean, how do you, I, once you go beyond that, it gets real difficult. I, I I, could see, you know, there's guys like Nasir who aren't getting a ton of playing time, but I really like him and I really think he has a lot of potential and I think we're going to see that and I don't want to see him somewhere else. I want to keep him. <laughs> you know, Ant, Ant is one that I think he's really doing well this year and, and we're seeing him step up and I don't want to lose him either. Although... I think if we, I, I, I think he, I'd teeter with him. He might be one that I could see going. Um, You know, it's just, it's rough. It's hard. This is like asking me to choose which child is my favorite. I don't have a favorite child, by the way.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's why it's so hard. Uh, I'm in the anybody but Dame camp if they need to. I mean, there are players that I would miss, but. Gary Trent Jr. is one of them, and he's one of of the ones I think they need to trade. C.J. McCollum is another one, and he's someone I think the Blazers would need to trade if they don't trade Trent. So, uh, you know, Nurkic, I I would miss him, but... Also, I would understand if they got another big man that they loved because of that. Um, I don't think that's possible, but I'm, I'm trying to think of anybody. I mean, I've just named my three favorite non-Dame players, and I don't think at this point you can trade Lillard, period. He is the franchise. He will be the franchise forever. He's done more stuff. He's done more individual stuff than anybody who's ever played. His team success isn't up to Drexler and Walton's standards, but there's a there's a solid argument to be made that even right now given what's happened this year, he is the best player the Blazers have ever suited up. So, I don't think they can trade him. So that's why he's above that line. But everybody else if they need to, I will understand it just make it count. But I don't think I don't think they're going to trade too many. We'll see, but I I don't The deadline move doesn't feel that big here, but I do hope that they make a small one.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to be glad when it's over. This is torture. This is difficult.
1: (laughs) Well, let's get you out of the torture. Uh, We actually have to wrap up here. Nobody knows this, but we have a special guest. A we wonderful do. special guest, what our first guest ever on the podcast, and destined to be one of the greatest. Do you want to introduce our guest, Dia? Sure, I will. I have talked about her on
0: this podcast a few times before, and, and in our in our writing that we've done. Her name is Julitza and she is my eight year old daughter. We record this podcast tuesday nights usually um on the weeks that i have my kids we wait till they go to sleep but this one was still awake this week so she's been sitting here watching and and listening to this podcast and she is a blazer fan herself i i've talked about that multiple times and she's a blazers
1: expert we'll fire (laughs) some questions at her are you are you ready Jalispell? yeah all right, step in real close, lean into your mom so we can hear you on the microphone. And so, let's see, who's your favorite blazer right now? Damien Lillard. Damien Lillard, that's, see, I told you she was an expert. <laughs> yeah, and is he your favorite blazer ever as well? Yeah. Okay. Uh, how often do you get to watch the blazers play? Pretty often?
0: Um, Whenever I'm here with mommy.
1: Okay, that's yeah. awesome. She,
0: she likes to stay up. She'll she'll beg and plead to stay up, huh?
1: Oh man, we should have had my would son Derek on this same thing.
0: Would you rather would you rather watch the Trailblazers or have a bedtime story? Watch the Trailblazers.
1: <laughs> of yeah. course. So what's the most exciting thing for you about watching the Blazers, do you think? Do you ever get excited? When they win. When they win, see My now, girl. boom, dia, boom, right there, <laughs> rainbows, unicorns, and victories. That's right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, are you are you happy with how much they've won this year? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you like anybody besides Damian Lillard really well? no no yeah one person that's good so she's on the anybody but dame C? jelizabelle and i think that like that's right she's a genius <laughs> okay so i've got the most important question of all our friend danny morang says that out of, let's see, uh, they've played 35 games, right? And there are 72 in the season. So that means 37 left. Out of 37 left, the Blazers are only going to win 18 games. Now, the highest number that you can say is 37, because that's the number of games they have left. How many of the 37 games that they have left do you think the Blazers will win? Do you think it's 18 or more than 18.
0: More than 18.
1: Pick a number between 18 and 37 that you think the Blazers are really going to win for the rest of the year. They have 30, 37 games left. How many of them would they win? Um... 25. Okay. So we're going to see who's closer. I don't know if you can hear this, Danny, but it's you versus the eight-year-old. And we're going to see who's closer. And the winner will get a nice prize. I don't know what that is. Some kind of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups or something like that. Okay? So 25 wins for Jelisabelle, 18 wins for Danny. We're going to see where they end up. Okay. Anything else you want to tell all the Blazer fans out there, Jelisabelle? No, no,
0: I would just like to go on record as saying she's more realistic than half of the Blazer fans out there that I've heard talking.
1: Yeah, that's true. And
0: for sure me, because I probably would have said 30. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I can tell you've got a future <laughs> podcaster sitting, sitting there. Well, thank you, Bell. We appreciate you being on and we'll have you on again sometime. We'll wait a few weeks or something and we'll see. Uh, we'll see who is closer in the end. You or Danny. OK, okay? Mm-hmm. can you say boo, Danny? Ooh, Danny. Yeah, see? <laughs> Take that meringue. Very good. All right. Well, anything else, Dia, that we need to cover?
0: No, I think that was it. I mean, I, it's, you know, we're kind of in this little lull here before we get everything started back up and, and yep. you know. Here we go. Next week, there we'll we have go. more I games
1: have to talk about. All right. Well, then, for the incomparable Dia Miller, the amazing Jalis Bell, I am Dave Deckard, and we are going to see you again next week. We hope that you enjoy the games resuming tonight and for the whole second half of the season. And as always, go Blazers.
0: A hater season opening down the lane. moves towards the hoop. But then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast rate the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave sends her an alley She jams it. Boom, shakalala. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award.
1: What a talent.